Howdy do, y'all. I'm Uncle Drank, star of the ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me, fictional golf and western country music pioneer, Uncle Drank. The series also stars Luke Wilson, Brian Kelly, Chelsea Lynn, Kinky Friedman, and Billy Zane as a talking blender named Blendy. You can find The Ballad of Uncle Drank on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Jingle Jared. In my former occupation, I was the biggest jingle writer of all time. Now, I'm looking for a new job, speaking to every entrepreneur that I can find so I can find out what it's like to transition from one career to another. All of this expert advice has become the bedrock for a podcast I'm calling Occupational Therapy. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, hey there. Hey, Dennis Quaid is here. That's right. And guess what? I have a podcast. It's called The Denissance, and I think you should listen. I'm having some really cool conversations with some really interesting people like music legend Billy Ray Cyrus, housewife of Beverly Hills, Garcelle Bouvet, and many, many more. Listen to The Denissance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Our show today is brought to you by the fine folks at Thursday's Boot Company. You guys have seen me rocking these boots in every other picture I have on Instagram. I'm always repping them. Thursday's Boots is a bootstrap startup that makes the best handcrafted boots and sells them direct to consumer at some of the lowest markups in the footwear industry. Thursday's Boots tagline is highest quality, honest prices because they use some of the best materials like full grain leather, supple glove leather lining, and gold standard Goodyear welt construction. Thursday's Boot Company sells their boots at prices starting at just $149 with free shipping and returns. They've been featured in all the best fashion press, from Esquire to GQ to Cosmo and Vogue. And more, more importantly, they've gotten over 20,000 five-star reviews from real customers. Thursday's boots are perfect for people who understand quality and don't want to pay a high retail markup for a great-looking pair of boots that are built to last. So check them out at Thursday's Boots on Instagram. My favorite shoes, my favorite boots. You always see me repping them. You'll love it. Hey, howdy do, y'all. I'm Uncle Drank, star of the ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me, fictional golf and western country music pioneer, Uncle Drank. The series also stars Luke Wilson, Brian Kelly, Chelsea Lynn, Kinky Friedman, and Billy Zane as a talking blender named Blendy. You can find The Ballad of Uncle Drank on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Lips LA with Scott Lips. Hey guys, it's Scott Lips, and you are listening to another episode of Lip Service, coming to you live today from my living room. Uh, we all have to adjust a little bit because of what's been going on in our culture. Hopefully everyone's safe and sound. Just remember, if you like the show, please remember to subscribe, rate the show, tell a friend, tell 10 friends. The show is available on iTunes, Spotify, everywhere. And coming up in just in a moment, my friend, Josh Wyatt, who I believe is calling in right now, who is the CEO of Noya House. You're listening to Lips LA with Scott Lips. Josh, I had to give you a great introduction, but I didn't even get time to do it yet because this is a new way of uh, recording for me. It's so, cool. Uh, Josh is actually in London right now. How you doing, Josh? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How you doing? 
It sounded good over here on this uh, Zoom call. This is the first time I've actually done a Zoom podcast, to be honest with you. So it's good to see your face. Uh, truth be told, we're friends. We do live in close proximity um, some of the time. <laughs> we don't think <laughs> where we live, but we definitely live very close to each other. We're neighbors. Uh, we're friends. And, and Josh, I was just about to give you a illustrious introduction. You're the CEO of Neue House, I believe, for the last 18 months or so. That's right. Last 18 months. That's 18 months. Making big waves. Obviously, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to get you on the show is to talk about your innovation and talk about uh, the fact that you are uh, definitely a trendsetter in the space and obviously how the pandemic affects your business, how it affects small businesses, big businesses. You just launched a new spot and you're in the process, I believe, of launching besides the Bradbury building downtown, which is, is brand new for you. It couldn't be worse, Tommy, obviously. Uh, Miami, Venice, there, there's so much going on with Neue House. For those of you who don't know Neue House, Josh, why don't we give them a little bit of context too on you know, what Neue House is, how you came to be at the company, just a little bit of background about it. You know, a lot of the show is based on your path and journey, but obviously this show is gonna be centered mostly on what's happening now in culture with the coronavirus, small mm -hmm. businesses, big businesses, your business being a CEO and how it affects everything in your business and your life. Yeah, so my, my journey started with Neuhaus about 18 months ago. And, you know, I came across the company when I was looking to try to start something new. And ironically, you know, the, the mission of Neuhaus is actually called, it's called Home of the New. Um, and it's really focused on the creative communities and bringing together companies, people, and ideas all wrapped within this beautiful, high, amazingly designed space uh, in New York, uh, right near um, Madison Square, uh, and in Hollywood on Sunset, uh, very close to where uh, Scott and I live, and then our newest site in downtown LA. And the ethos of the company has always been around bringing people together. Uh, and, and that's obviously like an interesting point given where we're headed, uh, you know, post-corona. And we'll talk about that later on in the show. Uh, but one of the things that always attracted me to Neuhaus, and, and since I uh, you know, have uh, come in as CEO, is Neuhaus's focus and mission on this sense of creative collision. So it's bringing ideas and people together and creating this sense of positive friction, whereby the result of that is incredible ideas, groundbreaking companies, uh, music albums, movies, screenplays, fashion ideas and concepts, digital media, um, you know, the list goes on of these these movements that have been born inside of Neuhaus and then have flourished, whether inside Neuhaus or they, sometimes they outgrow it. Uh, additionally, about six months ago, uh, we, we got ready to launch a, a new uh, concept, which was called the Neuhaus Salon, which was really looking at the industry and saying, hey, there's a need for people to come together and, and really socialize in a different way, in a new way. So there's, you know, I'm a huge fan of, of lifestyle hotels and nightclubs and amazing restaurants. Um, but we felt that there was a, a place in the market where after work, you know, maybe before people go to the nightclubs or the big restaurants that they would want a place to decompress for a little bit, have an amazing glass of wine, talk about some incredible issues or see some great programming and then go on to the rest of their evening. So we launched Knowing House Salon in, uh, in February of this year. Uh, which obviously couldn't be the worst possible timing. So we, we went through this huge initiative, um, you know, launching Bradbury with uh, new bars, new restaurants, 
launching our programming platform, or I should say actually uh, uh, doubling down our, on our existing programming platform, um, all within the, the hope of, or the goal of really expanding the company, um, you know, across the United States. And obviously here we are today, you know, call it four weeks later, six weeks later, very different world. Very different world. And just to rewind for a second, because we're going to get into that different world and where we're at today. Gosh, I mean, obviously it's affecting everyone, but your path and your journey sort of started, I believe before this, you were actually at Equinox and you were running mm-hmm. hotels there for Harvey, right? Wasn't that sort of your role? That's right. Yeah. So, so before Noe House, I, I spent about a year uh, working for Harvey Spivak uh, and the team at Equinox, which I was very lucky in the sense that um, a, a previous company that I'd started called Generator uh, had sold uh, in May of 2000 or April of 2017. And so that sort of unlocked some opportunity and, and some financial flexibility for me uh, to go on and, and try something uh, new and a little more, um, you know, a little more sort of, you know, called smaller. Equinox is an inc- it's probably, I think, frankly, the best company in the world right now uh, in terms of design, fitness, uh, lifestyle, hospitality. Um, there, there's no question. I mean, they coming out of this, they probably will be quite even stronger. Um, but it was so big that I just felt that doing something a little more uh, bespoke, uh, you know, or, or analog was uh, was up my alley. And that's that's how I uh, got involved with Neuhaus. And for the people that don't really know Neuhaus, Josh, I mean, it's sort of like the Soul House meets a sort of work environment, right? And I know Soul House just launched their own work environment. But I guess the difference would be between WeWork and Noya House and all the other shared spaces that are there. Um, what would you say more from a cultural standpoint? It's sort of on the, cause you guys are doing stuff with freeze now. You're, you're definitely more in touch with than some of the other spaces, the cultural entertainment side of things, the artistic side. And I know that's also sort of a, a desire and passion of yours, right? So, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it, it's a great question. I mean, it drives, so Neuhaus is, it's very hard to define and we sort of like it that way. Uh, it's, it's this, oftentimes this little mysterious, uh, you know, nut to crack, but uh, we, we are at the intersection of the, the social private members club. So Soho House, uh, Zero Bond, um, some of these other great private, mem- Annabelle's in London. Um, you know, where, where those clubs are really focused on the social element. We have elements of that. We have, you know, as I mentioned earlier, we're, we're launching this new salon, but then we, we then have workspaces. So we, we house companies and individuals uh, within our spaces where they do their daily work there. Um, the major difference is that we wrap all that within this high design, deeply um, uh, sophisticated cultural programming. Uh, and we really focus exclusively on the creative communities. So, um, there, there are many other workspaces out there, uh, whether it's WeWork or, or other brands, um, who don't necessarily have a defined mission. Uh, we have a defined mission to really serve and support the creative communities. And that's why we have all these incredible stories coming out of Neuhaus. And in a way, we're almost like a, a broadcast platform because these creatives that come into Neuhaus are working in the fields of music, in the fields of art, fashion, entertainment, uh, digital media. Uh, and some of the members that we have are just world-class leaders in their space, uh, or they will be world-class leaders. So we have anything from the uh, highly established, you know, deeply successful music executive, Paul Rosenberg, who manages Eminem, just moved into New York, for example. Barbara Sturm of Sturm Cosmetics is housed out of New York, uh, Noy House, uh, versus sometimes we have younger entrepreneurs that are just starting up. And, and the benefit of all these people together is that 
there's this creative collision happening in the four walls every day, like molecules bouncing off each other. Uh, and that's something that served us very well. It's very unique. You just don't see it in, in the space today where you have this super high performance environment, uh, all, all within the construct of a very, very sort of warm and accepting area where people can really sort of be themselves creatively. Yeah, so let's talk about leading up to the pandemic and obviously everything that's affected all of our lives in the last month or month and a half. You have how many offices currently and you're about to launch a few and about how many employees? So we have, uh, we have three open Noi houses. So New York, uh, Hollywood, and downtown LA. And then we just announced at the end of February, Venice Beach, which was meant to open end of this year in 2020. Yeah, so we have about 250 employees spread across three open properties. And then we just announced two new properties in Venice Beach and Miami in the Wynwood area of Miami uh, due to open at the end of 2020. Um, so, you know, 250 active employees, um, probably another 100 employees due to be hired later this year to run Miami and Venice. So this is an incredibly sad time for us. It's an incredible uh, challenge emotionally to have to deal with all this. So let's, let's take it back for a minute. You get the call about, obviously, things are, things are heating up in the space. We're watching the press conferences. It's about a month, month and a half ago, and people are starting to make the decisions to close their offices. I actually have my office in another shared working environment. Everyone slowly, like day by day, was getting less and less populated up until the point where I felt I had to make a call and I, I still vividly remember it was a Thursday a few weeks back. And by that Friday, I feel like everyone was out of those spaces. So at what point did you decide with all these employees and all the people that were co-working your space that you needed to make that call? So, so we, we made a call um, way before actually anyone else did in the space. So, so our, um, our position on this was, I think way ahead of the curve and it was the right thing to do. So it really started to get bad, you know, the second week in March. So March 5th, which was a Thursday in New York, we had a big party for the Armory Show, which is a big uh, art fair. And I was looking around, I was reading what was happening in New York. Uh, and again, you have to remember a month ago was very different from today. But, you know, I felt that it wasn't right to continue to do events. So we shut down events on March 6th. Um, and then the following week, we started to look at an increasingly bad picture and scary picture in Europe. Now, I, I'm actually doing this call uh, and the show from London right now. So I spend time between London and L.A. And so I get a lot of my news um, from Europe. And I have a lot of friends that live in Italy and Spain and France. And they were telling me how bad it is there. And this way before. By the way, what, what is the atmosphere in London right now? Because we, we hear about it, but we don't know. It's, it's eerily quiet. I mean, it, it's, uh, it's not as bad as New York City, but people are dying here. Uh, it is going to be, I think the worst is going to hit next week. Um, but people take the isolation very seriously. I mean, it's totally deserted streets. Nothing is open. Um, it's the weather here is not nearly as nice as LA. So you do not see people, uh, you know, on social media going outside and taking pictures of themselves working out um, or, or going around the city. People are definitely sheltering inside here. It's, it's a different vibe from LA uh, and, and New York. I mean, all three cities I think are, are going to get hit or I'm you know, or have been hit very badly. And uh, you know, unfortunately I think in London, it's going to get a little bit worse probably in the next week or two. It's tough. It's really yeah. tough. It is. Um, and you find but, that people are, you think that people are abiding 
by the stay-at-home rules in London, or they're they are they are now. I think I think everyone look. I mean, I think anyone who was in denial, uh, you know, up until maybe ten days ago, I think has been changed. I think you know, I think everyone understands now how serious it was. But you know, let, let's go back to the decision for us to close. Like a month ago in New York, people were running around at these big parties, and everyone's working and. I started to see these these news reports and I said, there's no way that we can stay open like this. And, you know, we we were following what Cuomo was saying, what de Blasio was saying. And ultimately, way before they decided to start to shut things down, uh, we took a view to shut the whole company down. So March 16th, which is about a week ahead of the, the forced shutdowns, we shut the entire company. Um, we took a view that we were going to be shut at least for a month. Um, probably for longer. And ultimately, that was the right call. Uh, we immediately refunded um, and, can't, and, and put on freeze our membership dues for everyone, which was unlike uh, many other brands. I, I don't want to get into trouble here, but there's been some press recently, and obviously I don't want to get into the middle of anything, but I will say that's the right thing to do. Uh, I myself have been involved in something where I feel like the right thing to do would be either to freeze the rent, refund it. I, I don't know how, it's kind of hard to charge people rent when you can't legally go to an office, right? Yeah. So I'm, I'm yeah. glad that you guys took that initiative and I feel like socially it's the right thing to do. I know that I feel like you have a, a very, for you, the social responsibility to your employees and just you know the community has a really, always been a really big thing. So how do you get through a time like this? As a CEO of 250 employees, I have five or six and I struggle with, you know, there's a stimulus package. It's not easy. There's a lot of red tape. As you know, Josh, it's not like you sign a piece of paper and they send you money the next day. You're jumping through hoops. They're, they literally changed the form this morning from last night. Like, it's yep. complicated. And so as a guy that has 250 employees underneath them, let's say this thing goes on for six months. I mean, you know, what Well, yeah, if, <laughs> if it goes on for six months, I think we're all trouble. I, I mean, look, I, I think all we can do as leaders, you know, and, and you, you have, you know, a, a longstanding track record, uh, you know, in, in the space of being a business owner, a leader and what you do an innovator. Right now, I think we all have to work together to survive. I mean, I, I for me, I, I think this is going to be the hardest, most difficult uh, weeks, months of our lives. I, I mean, the, the, I mean, I think to say anything else, frankly, would be naive. Um, uh, or dishonest. Uh, so, you know, we we are. My goal with our members and with my staff is to make it through the next three months. I, I think we'll be closed until the end of May. Uh, we're planning for that financially. Um, it's 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 taken a huge toll on the company um, and on our investors and our board, which I have you know a, a deep amount of respect for uh, and sympathy for. Um, it's taken huge personal and mental toll on our employees. And, you know, our goal is to figure out how to manage through and be ready to reopen and reopen, not from the standpoint of, hey, we got to make money again. I view my company now as almost like a social good. Um, I'm just trying to create jobs at this point, because that's the best that I can do as a human being in this society is just try to help people where I can uh, to get them back to work and, and to get my members back working and if would, you have, would you say you have a strategy in place for where this is going? I mean, have you thought out the next three months, six months? You know, we, we've, we've thought out, we, yeah, we thought out the next three months. I mean, beyond that, honestly, I think it's too hard to forecast, but we've thought out like, what is, first of all, we're, we're taking 
just like I think anyone should, whether you're in business or just personally, you should take stock of where you are in life, you know, and, and take time to think about what's important. Um, we're doing that as a business. So what's important to us? You know, let's take the next two months, which will be quiet to really try to make things better internally. Um, really focus on like getting things sharpened and make them very nice. So when we reopen, uh, we'll, we'll be better than we, than we were before we closed. Um, again, personally, I think the same way, like there's so many things I can work on as an individual, whether it's being healthier, being more mentally, you know, sort of focused, being smarter. Um, you know, I, I'm taking the quiet time right now to do all that for myself as an individual. And I think every business should do that uh, as well. Same thing with creatives, you know, I hope so. I hope we come back. And, you know, you and I are both big fans of music. Like, I hope we come back and, like, the music scene just is incredible. And I mean, it will be because people have time to write music now. So that's what I mean. All like, the I mean, creating great albums. Yeah. Hope, you know? Yeah. No one's touring. I, I just feel like we should have, it should be a renaissance of music and art in like 2021. Like, it will take six months to produce albums and, you know, get, get the art into the museums or the shows. But, like, if you're, if you're a fan of culture and a fan of art and entertainment, like, 2021, 2020 is going to be, it's a write-off, but 2021 should be the most amazing year of our collective lives because everything should explode. Everyone's going to, it's going to be movies coming out every day and music. It's going to be amazing. I mean, that's the optimism that I have for this situation. Yeah. And I'm an optimistic person. So obviously I want to think the same. I feel like even getting back into the workforce though, the dynamic of how people work is going to change, right? You guys have a setup sort of the interiors of your of your business are sort of people sit like side by side. So think about the social distancing that's taking place now and how slowly, eventually, people will start to get back to work. It's going to change everything, right? It's going to change, I do the layout of your offices too, I would imagine, right? Yeah, so we, we're already thinking about that. We're talking to our designers and trying to figure out what is the you know, post-corona uh, environment look like. One thing that we're a little bit lucky uh, with, with Neuhaus is we, in the public spaces at least, uh, we had originally designed the public spaces to be quite large and open with a lot of different breakout spaces and space between uh, seats and desks. So um, in, in actual public spaces, I think we sort of got lucky. Um, you know, the, the new property in Bradbury is very open and airy and, and very spread out. Um, so I think we'll be okay in some of our spaces. And I think in other areas, we're going to have to come up with design solutions to make people feel more comfortable um, with respect to interacting with people. So that could be, any, that could take the form of putting plexiglass, you know, sort of guards between desks, you know, so that people sneeze that that's blocked. It could be, how do we prepare food in this new environment? Every restaurateur is going to have to think about how they run their restaurant now in terms of cleanliness, right? Um, and in yeah, I don't know about you, but I, do you go to the grocery store in London? <laughs> no, definitely not, not anymore. You yeah, because I have I mean, major anxiety when I go. People don't literally give you the space. They're right on top of you here. And so the only time to really go is either really early in the morning or late at night where people are, isn't that crowded. Yeah. And I feel like you just have a higher probability of coming into contact with people who might be sick. And so I yeah. have major anxiety. You know, I was picking up some items for a friend of mine the other day and they were like, hey, can you get me this type of cheese? And I was like, listen, I'm getting in and out I'm grabbing the first wine I see, the first cheese I see. If I'm not getting the pillabuck, then, you, you know, whatever type of cheese that you're specifically, you know, looking for, unfortunately, it is what it is, you know? 
Yeah, I, I, look, it's, it's a tough time. I think I think everything is going to change, um, and I think that the companies that recognize that and do something quickly will survive. Um, and I think those who, you know, think, "Hey, life will be back to normal by August or July," are are going to be in for real trouble, you know. And and we um, we're, we're already thinking about it. We're, we de I definitely think that human beings, even in the in the last four weeks and in the next eight weeks, are already self-teaching themselves how to be distant from people. I personally think, I, so I'm an extrovert and I like hanging out and going to places. For me, this is gonna be really difficult. I'm not sure how, I love going to concerts. I love going to full packed restaurants. I wanna be in a packed restaurant versus an empty one. So I don't know how I'm gonna handle it going forward, you know, and, and it'll be interesting to see, hopefully with the right design, you can still get the buzz and the energy of everything to, at a great concert or a great nightclub or a great restaurant. Uh, but still create the sense that uh, that there's safety, that there's cleanliness, you know, all, all those things. Yeah, you and I are almost exactly the same. And that's why we're franchised, because we both thrive on that energy of going out. And, and, you know, we love people and we love being around people. But are there certain like thought leaders now that you are sort of tuning into, whether it be podcast or, you know, some any kind of media that you're looking to for guidance during a really challenging time like this? Because obviously yeah, we're, I, we're all looking for information. The information's coming at you from every angle. Some of it's real, some of it's not real, uh, you know, and it's hard to disseminate what to really take to heart to, to know what to do moving forward. But as a CEO, it's interesting for me to, to, you know, for a guy like you that has 250 employees, who are you looking to for guidance? By the way, as we speak, I keep getting these buzzes because I don't even know how to work these, like uh, trying to figure out how to do the Zoom thing. But it's challenging. I have my I have my emails going off. I got my phone going off. This is modern. <laughs> this is adapting to the modern age. So sorry, listeners, if, uh, if you guys hear some beeps, and I'm really trying to figure this out. I'm I'm taking my notes from my email on this, putting them onto my notes, so you don't hear beeps and buzz. But we're all adapting, and we all have to reinvent ourselves during a time period like this. Absolutely. I, I think that's wise advice. You know, I, I think how we think about uh, the information that we're receiving, how we're, how we're communicating with people uh, now, uh, whether it's Zoom or House Party or FaceTime or WhatsApp, it's all, it's all, it has changed. It's changed in four weeks. And, you know, we, I, I'm analog too. you know, it's, it's trying to figure out how to use all this stuff. I'm not, not a huge uh, technology guy. I like analog. And I think that Again, I'm trying to adapt as fast as I can, but I, look, I mean, I think in terms of the information right now, I'm using this free, some of the free time I have to expand my my horizons because you know when you're when you're running a company, um, you just don't have the intellectual time sometimes um, to to think and to read. So it's it's actually been somewhat pleasant in the sense that I can now go back to some of the people that I admire and, and follow their podcasts and 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 look at what's going on. So like a good recent example is Reed Hoffman. Um, who runs Masters of Scale, just did a, and he does this podcast, I think it's every couple of days, it comes out now, and his most recent guest, or, or guest last week was Danny Meyer. Um, and that's sort of like a must listen, because Danny Meyer, you know, is probably the most successful and, and powerful restaurateur in New York City, and in, in literally a week, his business is done. I mean, completely done. Oh, you mean yeah, Shake it's Shake Shack and, and Union Square Hospitality he runs 19 high-end restaurants in, in New York in addition to Shake Shack. Uh, he is, he is you know, the, probably the top uh, restaurateur in the United States, I would argue. 
um, in terms of his ability to build incredible brands and, and restaurants and, and, and then go mass market with Shake Shack. And his business is, was, is, is over, you know, and, and it will come back in some form, but it's going to be very different. And, and I think, you know, listening to him talk about that experience was very illustrative for all of us, whether you're running a two-person company or a 20,000-person company. So well, that's uh, that was taking advice on where it's going because obviously he has, he has a huge overhead. If he has, not, I mean, hospitality, as you know, is hard enough, and to have 19 establishments, Shake Shack kills it. But on the other end, he has some very high-end restaurants too that he probably had to lay off almost all the staff, right? And yeah, I mean, we, so what was this his take on this? Well, I mean, th this is the, the the first thing is there's not much you can do. So you know, you, you have to you have to do what you think is right for the long-term viability of the business. So doing a furlough or a layoff, which is, it's virtually the same thing. There's some legal technicalities between the two, but I'd argue doing a furlough is better than a layoff. Um, but the reality is you have to start thinking like a long-term leader or, or investor, which is if you want to be around next year, you're going to have to do those layoffs because you can't continue to employ people when you have zero revenue. Now, not everyone understands that. So there may be people that are, are very upset by that. Um, but the, the goal of any company should be to figure out how to survive post this crisis and how to get people back to work. That is, it, it's almost, it is a war, it is a wartime situation. I mean, the... I, I listened to a great, uh, you know, Dr. Ferrucci, who's obviously the leading mm -hmm. doctor. Yep. He, he said, there was a great quote that he said yesterday. He said, it's uh, in the eyes of war, it's all very foggy or something like that. And, you know... Yep. And, you can't see through the fog in the eyes of war or something. So it's, yeah, I mean, when you're the thick of it, it's very hard. And in retrospect, people go back and say, we should have closed the borders earlier. You don't, we didn't, it was moving so fast. Sometimes yeah. we didn't really know what was going on, but. No, absolutely. But, I, no, but I, I, do you have thoughts on like the stimulus package and everything that's going on now in terms of like what a company like yours would do? Yeah. So I look I, I, like everyone else. And as you mentioned, I mean, so the, the stimulus, the, the PPP package opened up today and Jesus, I mean, it's totally crazy and wild and no one knows. And, you know, there's only one, there's only one bank that's actually officially processing loans today, and that's Bank of America. Um, we, we bank with Chase. We're trying to get them to do it on Monday, but it's, it's all I can, all I can say is I think patience, tenacity, uh, and working through all the bureaucratic nightmare that's unfolding uh, will yield results. I actually do believe that the stimulus package is good. Um, I think that the fact that you know you can get this huge payroll coverage, which realistically I don't think will pay on the next couple of weeks, but let's call it four to eight weeks. The, the goal then is to go to your employees and to communicate transparently with them and to say, look, I can't employ you right now because I have no revenue, but give me time as, as your CEO or as, you know, your owner or as your manager, I know that you, you know, are frustrated. I know that you may not be happy with the fact that you're furloughed or laid off, but please just work with me here to, to let me help this business so the business can help you. So I think that sense of working through the process and in parallel to your staff being vulnerable and transparent and just saying, Hey man, be with me on this one. I, I know you may not fully believe me, but I'm really trying my best here for you and for everyone in the company to get everyone back to work. And, and that sort of wartime analogy of we're all soldiers on the front line right now, right? And there's bullets flying everywhere. Uh, there, there are people that are going down left and right to us. And, and our goal as a society 
should be to figure out how to get everyone back to safety and and up and running again. So that's sort of how I think about it, you know, with with the with the bailout packages, with all the stuff we're trying to do with with our investors and our customers, our members, is to say, hey, let let us work with you. And there's a light at the end of the tunnel. We get reopen and end of May, June, July. Uh, you know, beyond July, not getting open, I think as a society. I honestly don't know what would happen. I mean, I, I think you you have that's, to get back open this summer. We, we, we definitely don't want to yeah. think like that. But uh, yeah, absolutely. Enough, no, I, I think I yeah. I was gonna say interesting enough. It's funny, you know, they release this the PP. Is it the PPE? Is that what you're talking about? PPP. Yeah, the PPP. Yeah, okay. So they release yeah. this PPP. Um, what it is, it, it basically allows you to keep some employees hired under a certain uh, salary. I mm-hmm. think they'll they'll the loans are forgivable up to for a couple months I believe right they'll correct um, yep. I, they released it last night I actually filled out some paperwork and by this morning the paperwork had changed the rate it's different yeah so like I mean they're not making it easy so you know it's not uh, but yeah <laughs> let's all think positive and one one last thing I wanted to leave you with Josh I know sort of the motto about sort of when you took over and, and you're sort of. Uh, approach to the company has been curiosity, generosity, and authenticity, right? So just talk mm-hmm. a little bit about like how you view being a CEO, you know, the future of hopefully your company in this climate and, and hopefully where it's all going, you know, if, if we're looking ahead when things get back to normal. So when I came in, we developed these core values, as you mentioned, um, authenticity, curiosity, generosity. Uh, and I, I think that really uh, captures or personifies the spirit of Knowing House, uh, not only of, of our employees, but, but our members. But I've added two additional words subsequent to that in the last four weeks, which is vulnerability and transparency. I, I think in the post-corona uh, world, when we all get back to work, that leaders and, and companies and brands uh, and people will be rewarded um, if they are transparent and they're vulnerable and they say, Hey, I don't have the answers. Hey, it's completely messed up right now. I'm trying to do my best as a company or I'm trying to do my best as a leader or a manager. Um, and I have your genuine best interest at heart, right? Whether, whether it's for our employees or for our customers and our members and our event clients. So, you know, those values we really take to heart, you know, I, I take to heart as a, as a human being and as a leader, uh, and I just going through this entire experience, um, you know, over the last six weeks and clearly this will go on for some time. I just think it's just such a deeply emotional experience that I'm actually happy to share. You know, I'm happy to, you know, we, we a lot of people keep a mask on in, in their daily life, right? We all wear masks, especially the industry that, that you and I are in, right? We're going out all the time. We have to be seen to be happy and we have to be seen to be successful and social uh, and, and confident, I think it's okay in this post-corona world to say, hey, we don't have all the answers. We're not always confident. There are things that are happening. This has been challenging. Um, and if we own that, uh, I think people will gravitate towards wanting to support you and wanting to be around you, whatever be around that person means in the post-corona world, yeah. virtual or, or, uh, or physical. No question. I can only imagine where it's all going to go because now it's like, it's all about virtual dating and virtual yeah. the Zoom yeah. meetings and the house parties and, you know, people like having all the online concerts. So I, I can only imagine what the future holds and where we're going to be in the next six to 12 months. But I guess if we all stay positive and bound together, hopefully we can all make it through this. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a terrible time, but I'm trying to use my energy in a positive 
uh, way. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, you know, the, the, the sense of optimism and hope, you have to have it in dark times. And if you look at some of the great leaders, uh, you know, who have been able to make it through wartime situations or through disaster situations, um, or just through like interesting sort of challenging survival situations. Like if you, if you look at, you know, some great leaders in the history of, um, of the Navy or of sailing where people get like marooned and they're stuck for nine months and they make it through, um, you know, we can all do this guys, you know, I, we're all in this together. And I, I think if we remain positive again, accepting and accepting the vulnerabilities, it's okay to be down. It's okay to, you know, admit, admit that and, and to be, you know, to, to sort of have a sense of melancholy at times, but I think we have to balance that with optimism and we have to, we have to lean on people. We have to lean on our friends and our partners to make it through and to come out of this really positive on, on, uh, you know, on the rebound when we, we do all get back. Yeah. I'm going to refer back to a previous podcast I did with a friend of mine um, named Joey Benna that actually was in a medically induced coma uh, that got coronavirus while I was in Italy recently, Josh. And he wow. said something pretty, you know, that put things in perspective for me. And although we're referring to things that happened many years ago, he said, you know, Anne Frank lived in a closet for seven years yep. and didn't have the luxuries that we have of Netflix, food delivery, yeah. you know, pot, you know, an animal, TV, workout machine. It's like everything you can do inside and, you know, discover your passions, find your inner peace, whatever it may be. But, you know, now's the time to reflect and maybe even make yourself a better person. And so, while it is really challenging, that did put things in perspective. So I just thought it was an interesting way to look at things. So I, I, told, I, I couldn't agree more. It's, it's absolutely, you know, there's been times in history that are, you know, so disruptive and, and in a way, you know, far worse than this right now. And, and we've made it through. So I think having that sense of, of collective spirit and, uh, and acceptance, um, I think will get us all through. Definitely. Well, it's great to have you on, brother. I hope I see you again yeah. one of these days. I mean, I know. Going, it might be six months, but hopefully <laughs> a lot sooner. So, all right, man. Yeah, I look forward to it. It's uh, it's good to see your face as well. You too. Take care in London. We'll speak. Right, You're listening to Lips LA with Scott Lips. Hey guys, do you use an electric toothbrush? Well, I can honestly tell you, Quip is the best electric toothbrush in the whole world. Take it from me. I've been using this toothbrush for many years. It's incredible. Makers of the Quip Electronic Toothbrush want you to know that one single discovery that matters most to your dental care is simply this, that if you have good habits, you are good. Join over 3 million healthy mouths and get Quip today, starting at $25. And if you go to getquip.com slash J right now, you'll get your first refill free. That's your first refill free at getquip.com slash J, spelled G-E-T, Q-U-I-P dot com slash J, Quip, the good habits company. And let me talk about this toothbrush for just a moment here, guys. I have been in, obviously, in this game for quite a while. I've used many, many different electronic toothbrushes. This is the best one. It has a timer built in, so while you're brushing your teeth, after 30 seconds, you know to move it. You don't have to think about it. It charges automatically. It's super portable. You can take it anywhere. I'm obsessed with this toothbrush. I've been using this toothbrush for many years. I love it.
Well, hey there. Hey, Dennis Quaid is here. That's right. And guess what? I have a podcast. It's called The Denissance, and I think you should listen. I'm having some really cool conversations with some really interesting people like music legend Billy Ray Cyrus, housewife of Beverly Hills, Garcelle Bouvet, and many, many more. Listen to The Denissance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Zach Selwyn. You may remember me as a host from ESPN, Attack of the Show, or even Immortalized, that competitive taxidermy show on AMC. We lasted one episode. Anyway, three times a week, I'm bringing you the realest fake news of the day. It's the Saturday Night Live News Desk, but in an audible format. Listen to the Audio Up News Network on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Uncle Drank, star of the ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me, fictional golf and western country music pioneer Uncle Drank. The series also stars Luke Wilson, Brian Kelly, Chelsea Lynn, Kinky Friedman, and Billy Zane as a talking blender named Blendy. You can find the ballad of Uncle Drank on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.